As you are hungering for things of this world, not just food and water and some shelter, realize this, that we're all human beings and we're all needy. Man, you people are so needy. And so am I. We desire more than what we really need. We desire money. We desire not only money, but a job or income that continually comes. We could have a big lump of money in the bank, but we want to continue to have income. How about hobbies? Some people are going to be... Father, may the words that I bring and the meditation of my heart this morning be an offering to you. Let the people know today that this is the, Lord, the day that the Lord has made. And let us be rejoiceful and be glad that he made this day. Let us be excited that he gave us another day of breath to celebrate him today. Let the Spirit of God move rapidly and through us so that not only you do something spectacular, but Lord, your Spirit moves us all to a place of glory. And so we ask that you move us from glory to glory today, Lord. We ask that you move powerfully. Lord, move us from fear and move us from worry. And whatever we're facing, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So here's the deal. We are going through this sermon series called Facing Our Fears. And that prayer time is you really bringing God into your fears and saying, I'm going to stand against my Goliath, my fear. And we've been talking about it for several weeks. And I really love it because we're talking about one chapter in the Bible for 10 weeks, the chapter of Luke 12. And we're going through it. Jeremy has created this wonderful sermon series dealing with our fears. And so what we're doing is sitting in one chapter communicating about our fears. Now, here's what's happening. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Constantly, Jesus is communicating to thousands of people. His, his popularity has grown. And there's a multitude, it says. But here's the interesting thing. In the multitude, as he's preaching to a mega church, he stops worrying about how many people there are, and he says, I'm just going to speak to two of my disciples today. And I'm going to sit and share what God has for you. And everybody else around it, you two are going to be the recipients of what God has. And so that's what we see in this first chapter. There's thousands of people, but he turns to just a couple of disciples and says, let me pour my life into you. This is the essence of discipleship. There could be all kinds of people around you, but he only speaks to a few. Eleven and then three. I say eleven because Judas Iscariot, not really a disciple. So here's what he says. Then turning to his disciples, as there's all kinds of people, he turns to these disciples. And he says, let me tell you what I think. And here's what he says. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. Do not worry. We'll come back to that. For is life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Correct? Not in Southern California. And then he talks about birds. Any bird lovers here? I know there's a couple. <laughs> I 
I love how excited you are. That's good. So I've had a couple of birds. My mom has. I know my friend Don has. There's, there, there's a bunch of birds. But here, listen to what he says about birds. He says this. Look at the ravens. We don't even think ravens are good birds. But look at the ravens, right? They don't plant or harvest or store any food in barns. God feeds them. And are you not more, far more valuable than any birds? Listen, there's a few bird lovers here. We've got a fantastic bird lover that's really excited about it. But beyond that, how often do you think about birds? 70% of us rarely see them unless we hit them on the freeway or something. And then Jesus says, aren't you far more valuable than all the billions and trillions of birds on this earth? You barely think about birds, but he brings it into the text. But he says, man, aren't you even more valuable than the birds? He's trying to tell you, I love everything, but I love the people that I created in my image even more. And he's speaking to you individually today. So don't worry about anything. It's easy to say. I hope you have a good day and we'll talk to you next week. I mean, we should be able just to stand on that if Christ is your firm foundation. You can't just sing a song and then a little bit later go, oh, I'm going to worry about everything even though he's my firm foundation. He's never going to fail you except if I'm worrying then he's failing me all the time. Did you guys catch those lyrics? That's not part of what he sang or he said. The song was different. Jeremy and Tara were singing a different song that he won't fail you down so let's not worry. And then it talks about life. What is your life about? Now, let's talk. If you're online today, welcome. We love having you online. And we got people all over the world and all over the country checking out and listening to our podcast. It's incredible the reach that we have in, in, in our online service. But in Southern California, life is really just about food and what we look like. We take pictures of look at what I'm eating. Look at where I'm eating. And look at what my life is about. And look at what I'm driving. And look at what I'm wearing. And let me take a selfie. And let me show you how many people are around me. And let me tell you where I'm at. Because life is just about where I'm at. And what I'm eating. And what I look like in Southern California. And if you want to go to New York, I'm sure it's the same. Those two coastal areas. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about this hunger that's in us. And it's more than food. Now, if we go back to Genesis, we go back to the garden. You know, we sing this song, take me back to the garden. So let's go back to the garden and think about the first sin that occurs. What is the first sin about? Isn't it about eating? But is it really about eating? Or is it something more? There's something more to this concept where the sin is about this fruit that Eve eats and, and then Adam just falls with his wife and she and they both eat. Isn't it about something more that they had this hunger or craving of wisdom and knowledge and good and evil so that I can know what God is doing? I want to be God-like and I want to know what God is doing and so I hunger and crave that and so I bite into this fruit and because of that there's chronic worry and fear in our society. From that moment of sin, humans are struggling. We're struck down with this craving of desire and desire of things of this world. And all it does, it destroys me. I mean, if you were really bold, and I know none of us are going to do it, put your phone down for 24 hours. 
We went to camp with a couple of high schoolers last week, and just for four or five hours, we tried to play pool and some games and all of that, and it was really hard for uh, uh, somebody young to put their phone down. Because their phone is their life, and COVID only made it worse. Their phone is their life, and so there's a struggle that we need to deal with. And so the idea here is if you crave things of this world, you're never going to have enough. You're never going to have enough. I need more. I can't get enough. More hunger, more hunger, and more hunger. One is never enough. It's, ch- it's just this mindset of getting more in your life. There seems to be this correlation between this food hunger and this spiritual hunger that we need to talk about. And the idea here is, where, what does your appetite lead you to? What does your appetite lead you to? To those tacos? Or to something of this world? Or does it lead you to something else? That's really what we're talking about. As my body hungers for food, it drives me to get something physically to eat. More often than not, as you can see. That was a joke. You guys can laugh. Everybody's shaking their head. Yeah, that's true. But as my soul hungers, what do you feed it with? It's easy to say Jesus, but is that really what you're feeding your soul? As my soul hungers, it seeks me to seek spiritual food. Now, my parents and me went to this class. There was this girl named Stacy, and she worked in this Kaiser facility out in Ventura. And it was kind of, she was a diabetic nurse, and then she started teaching about health and wellness. And she said something that I've never forgot, and I think about it every night after 7 or 8 o'clock. She says, sometimes, you ever have that meal where you ate a ton of food? And you're stuffed, and then about an hour or two later, like, man, I'm still kind of hungry. And you just ate everything in the fridge for dinner. And you know what Stacy said? Stacy, if you're watching online, thanks. Here's what Stacy said. Sometimes your body it says it's hungry, but it's really thirsty. And so you need to drink water because it sometimes masks this idea of, oh man, I'm hungry, but really you're just dehydrated and you need water. And if you drink water, the hunger craving goes away. But instead we get chips and ice cream and uh, cookies and sandwiches and bread, whatever it is. And the idea here is sometimes our mind is misreading. I need water. I don't need food. Isn't that the same with Jesus? Sometimes my soul is in this dark place and it's seeking and propelling you and asking you, give me spiritual food and what do you feed it? You feed it food, you feed it sex, you feed it drugs, you feed it music, you feed it social media, you stream it. And your soul's actually saying, man, I just need Jesus. But you're feeding me the wrong stuff. And beyond that, what happens is our life ends up in chaos. Here's the essence of the message. Jesus is the complete nourishment that you need in your life today. And here's the thing. I say this a lot in church. And here's what you need to know. You need to consume Jesus Christ seven days a week or your life is on life support. Is this, if this is the only consuming of Jesus you are doing, you are on life support. And if one thing happens, the plug is going to be pulled, uh, pulled and there's a chance that you might not make it.
And here's the thing, I need to consume Jesus and not, I'm not saying consume church. Church has become consumer driven. It didn't used to be like that, but it's like, well, you're not serving me. Those weren't the songs I wanted. I don't wanna talk about offering. I don't wanna hear about this. And so you go to another church. That's called consumerism. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about consuming our savior. You come to church to give. Not just money, but not, you're also supposed to give. You come to church to give. You should walk in and say, hey, what can I give to that person around me? But what's happened is we flipped it because the enemy's so slick. He's like, I'm going to come and take. And I'm going to take and I'm going to take because it's never enough. You consume Jesus and then you find an area to give it away. And what we do is we hoard it and we store it and we hoard it and store it. And one day I'm going to give it all. But Jeremy said... Uh, a couple weeks ago, you rich fool, you're going to die. You're storing all that Jesus stuff for who? And Christian faith to hunger for God means to feed on Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Don't believe me. Listen to what John chapter 6 verse 35 it says. Jesus tells his people, and if you're here and you call yourself a Christian, here's what he tells you. I am the bread of life. Now, you know how I love tacos? Jeremy loves a good bread. All you gotta do is feed him bread. We went out to lunch the other day, he ate all the rolls. I was fortunate to get one out of the 12, but he ate them all. There you go. But this is it. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Are you feeding on me? He is the best nourishment for your soul. He satisfies your hunger. And now it starts to talk about worry. Today we're talking about worry and fear. And we are going to worship over our worries, all right? We are going to worship over our worries. There's still a worship song coming. And we are going to worship today, mind, body, and soul, money, music, and prayer, and scripture. We are going to worship over our worries. And here's what he says. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, but it can subtract. We'll talk about that in a second. And then he says this. So it, can all those add anything to your life? And then he says, and if it can't, if your worries can't add but takes away from your life, it can't accomplish something like that. What is the use of worrying over bigger things? If you're worrying over small things and it can't add anything to your life, why are you worrying even bigger? In that first section... It said, don't worry, or it says, I tell you, do not worry. That's a command. It's a loving command. God gives us loving commands. You realize that? He's commanding. He's like, it's like, oh, don't worry if you don't want to. You know, he's telling you as a believer, you must not worry. If those things can't do anything in your life, why are you worrying about them? They're not adding to your life. They're actually subtracting. It's a command, and what happens is we don't like commands. I sure don't like rules. And so I fight those rules. But here's what I, I was talking about it with a group of guys the other day. I was like, the things that I fight the most, as soon as I quit fighting them, they become a blessing to me. You got to quit fighting this command. We fail to appreciate the damage that worry does in our life. And in and, and this, we talk about worry, stress, and anxiety. They're kind, of, they're, they're kind of together. So as we talk about them, think about stress that leads to worry. Think about anxiety that leads to worry. All of those things. Here's what research says. 
Worry or stress deteriorates our immune system. People under a constant high stress that are constantly fretting and worrying about everything, they have lower T-cell counts, which affects their immune system. So you can't fight off COVID, you can't fight off disease, you can't fight off sickness because you're so stressed or you're so worried or you have so much anxiety. It also says that it can have an effect on your uh, fertility. If you're trying to get pregnant and you're struggling, you, you're, you're worried, you're stressed, you have anxiety, it's lowering that idea or ability for you to have a child. It also talks about having a response to the brain, that when you're worried, you can't take on any more. Have you ever got to that point, I can't handle one more thing? And your brain can't respond correctly, and we make bad decisions, and they end up having a rippling effect in our life. And finally, the last one is, if I'm in constant worry and fear, it's bad for my heart. You know, and you know, I, I know I make fun of Jeremy sometimes, more times than not, but this guy constantly is worried about my heart and about my stress and worry. He's always, and you know, Kara and the staff's always making sure that I don't go overboard so that I don't crumble and, and worry and stress because it's not good. There may be greater sins than worry in the Bible, but there's none more self-defeating and useless. And that's what we're trying to get rid of today. Now, here's the thing. There's a big difference about godly responsibility. You know, I got fear of God and I'm, I'm worried about, you know, am I really becoming a disciple? Am I really bought in? Do I really believe in Jesus Christ? Do I really think he can heal me? Do I really think he delivered me? Am I really free? Am I really in a place to glorify him? And then there's this idea of ungodly and untrusting sense of worry that we tend to masquerade as godly responsibility. Oh man, I gotta worry about my job and my income so that I can be available and give money and pay my rent and do all these things. And what happens is the enemy has us taking these ungodly, untrusting worries and masquerading them to like there's something that God's really interested in you worrying about. And that's wrong. Because Jesus says, can any of those worries add a single moment to your life? No. Don't worry, he says. It sounds so easy to do. It sounds so easy. So go with God. Have a great day. Enjoy your tacos and pizza. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to do that. I want to do two things. Number one is I'm surrounded by mental health experts. My wife is that and works in the field. My brother-in-law also does that and works in it. And some of our Family conversations tend to be about that. But here's some things that you're doing. If you are ha struggling with worry and anxiety and stress, here's some things. First of all, you need to create healthy routines. You gotta find some routines that are healthy. Number one is talk to someone that you trust. The first thing you gotta do is talk to someone that you trust. Find someone in this world. There's a ton of people on staff here that would love to talk to you. There's some that don't wanna talk to you, but there's a bunch that would love to talk to you. Find someone that you trust. It doesn't have to be in staff. It can be in your community group. It can be in a discipleship group. You can just go, hey, I want to talk and have uh, some accountability. The second thing is, is to spend some time dealing with your worries. Now, I don't know if you guys know this. If you're online, you probably don't know this, but I've got an amazing wife. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. It's a new year, so I'm trying to do things differently so I don't get in trouble with my wife. Yeah. And so, but, 
when we travel, my wife tends to fall asleep within 10 to 15 or 20 minutes as we drive. We got a three to five hour drive and she's like, we're sitting there in the middle of a conversation, next thing she's out. So I end up in my own head for a while. Very scary, never go there, I promise you. But here's what I do. I actually start when I get to that place. We went to the desert a couple weeks ago and did massages and played golf. I actually played golf, she did the massage. But I started organizing the things that I'm worrying about. As I'm driving, you ever heard taking a long drive in the desert kind of settles yourself? That's what they're talking about. Spend some time with your worry, put them in order. And what happened was I had like 12 worries and by the time I got there, I had two or three that I really needed to focus. Some were out of my purview. Number three, this is an interesting one. Take care of yourself. You know, we're gonna have to watch football in a second and there's some teams, my team never makes the playoffs, so we're always going back to the basics of just tackle, tackle the player. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let's all pray for the Raiders, dear Lord. <laughs> but good teams, do the basics, and here's what I know, and this might be the most important thing if you're struggling with worry and anxiety. Go back to the basics. Take care of yourself. Get in a good exercise regimen. Here's what they say. Vitamin D is critical if you're struggling with worry and anxiety. Get out in the sun and receive that because it's so critical to your body. It creates pheromones and stuff in your spine that helps you and gets you out of worry. That's number one. Number two, diet. Tacos, morning, noon, and night. I promise they will help you. <laughs> probably not. But, and then the last one, and this is probably the most critical one, is sleep. You guys realize what they're saying? They're studying sleep so much nowadays, and they're saying that if you sleep, this might be the most important thing. A good night's sleep helps you make better decisions and have less worry in your life, less anxiety, less mental health issues with a good night's sleep. Because when we're worried and stressed, we have no sleep. We're grinding our teeth and worrying. And here's the last part, bring God into it. Pray and invite God into it. Just invite God into it. It's like, man, God, I am so depressed. I wanna harm myself. I, I'm so mad at this world. I hate the politics. I, I'm struggling with anything in this world. And just say, Lord, will you come into that? Will you come into that thought? Invite God into it and pray. I, invite God into it through uh, worship. Put music. Sometimes I lay in bed and I put my earbuds on, my wife's sleeping, and I just put, Christ is my firm foundation. I just sing that. He's not going to fail me. He's not going to let me down. It's my job just to trust and worship through the process so that my worry goes away and that my worship increases. Yeah. And or read your Bible. But don't read it. Right now I'm reading a lot. I read, you know, I don't know. 15, 15 chapters a day just because I'm trying to go through the Bible. And, and that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about reading, meditate on some words. I got, a, if you guys don't have an app, we have an app and in the app, there's all kinds of pictures and there's this one picture I'm gonna put up. So you can take a picture of it, but I want you to also think there's 20 Bible verses that you can meditate on that will bring you comfort. These are very famous verses. These are in your app so you can find them and scroll or you can take a picture. But let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me read you some words from heaven. 
And let me show you how it works. You're struggling, you're worried, and here's what it says. These are words from heaven. Psalm 56, three, it says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, Jesus. When I'm afraid, Lord, you are the thing that I trust. When I'm afraid, only you, God, can help me because I trust you. Peter writes, cast all your cares upon Jesus Christ because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties, all your fears, whatever you're holding on to, cast them on because Jesus Christ cares for you. Psalm 55, 22, it says, give your burdens to the Lord. Father, I give you all of my stress, all of my worry, all the struggles as a leader of a church. I give them to you and put them at the foot of the cross. I give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fail. He is the sustenance of your life. We just sang a song, he won't fail you, so you've got to believe that he won't fail you. Psalm 34, four says, I sought the Lord. I'm in the middle of my, you know, the middle of the night and I'm struggling. I seek you, Lord, and he answered me and he delivered, the actual word in Hebrew is freed you from the chains and he delivered me from all of my fears. Father, I seek you because I know you delivered me and Father, I'm gonna worship thee because of that. And here's the last one. Kind of goes along with what Matthew is saying but in this same sense. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have worry itself. Each day has enough trouble. Here's the thing. I had a lot of trouble 20 years ago in my life. If I'm still holding on to that worry and bringing it into 2023, my backpack is full of so much crap that I can't even get out of the bed to make it. There's enough worry for today that you should have let go of tomorrow's worry because today's got its own issues. And if I'm bringing in my worries from yesterday and the day before in the last 20 years, you are barely moving in this world. You're actually going backwards. So you've got to get up and say, whatever I worried about, I'm going to wash that in Jesus Christ. I'm going to worship that, and I'm going to let it go because he's my firm foundation. I believe in him, and, and I'm just going to let it go. Okay, so if you clapped, I want to see you dancing and worshiping at the end. See how the claps just went from like 90% of the people to about seven? Well, I'm not going to go that far, Jeff. I'm not that excited about Jesus. All right, verse 27, it says this. Look at the lilies. Who loves lilies? Awesome. Liz, you do? Better write that down. <laughs> Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't, uh, they don't work or make clothing. They don't work. In our house, everybody works, right, Nacho? Everybody works in our house. But not the lilies. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. I'm going to show you some pictures in just a second. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Again, We've got this bird reference. 70% of the group here today and online don't care about birds. Some are afraid of them. But God cares about them, but he cares about you more. And now he's talking about wildflowers. And he says, hey, he cares for you more than the wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. 
So why do you have little faith? You know, in our area, we're about 45 minutes away from the super bloom. You guys remember the super bloom? And I think we're due for a super bloom again because of all that rain. But here's some wonderful pictures on how God colors this area. This is just right up the road in Palmdale and Antelope Valley right up there where everybody was going. Look how incredible. And then there's another picture of the California poppies and how beautiful this is. This is right up the road. People come all over the world because look how God cares for our land. We don't care for our land, but God sure does. And he says, if I care for the flowers and want to beautify your neighborhood, why do you have such little faith? Because I care for you even more. Little faith. Little faith. Ye have little faith. Spurgeon writes this, and it was too good not to quote. He says, little faith is not little fault. Just because you have little faith, don't act like, oh, it's not that big a deal. I just have a little bit of faith. No, it's actually a huge deal. Here's what Spurgeon writes. He says, it greatly wrongs the Lord. When you have little faith, it offends God. It wrongs him. Why? Because you're actually disregarding who he is. He says, and it sadly grieves the fretful mind. So if you have little faith, you actually are worrying and it's actually hurting you as, as, as you're trying to get through this anxiety or worry or fear that you're dealing with. To think that the Lord who clothes the lilies will leave his children naked is shameful, Spurgeon writes. It's shameful. Shame on you. And here's what he says at the end. Oh, little faith, have better manners and respect your Lord. And then, then God challenges us. What's your appetite at? Your appetite will drive you in the direction of where you're going. And if this world is your appetite and your phone is your appetite and fun and, 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 and partying and all of those weekend warrior things, if that's your appetite, praise God, but that's not going to get you to where you want and it's not going to get your children and it's not going to get your parents. It's not going to get anybody. It's just going to get you into this place of weeks, months, and years down the road going, like, what happened? And how did I get here? Verse 29, and don't be concerned about what you eat and drink. Don't worry about such things. Here, this might be the most important verse that brings it all together. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows what you need. If you are struggling and you are thinking about things of this world and you are, 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 are just constantly worried about politics and COVID and, and, and chaos and, you know, water shortages and political turmoil and everything in this world, you are just like everybody else. The good news of Jesus Christ is simple. That doesn't mean it's easy. This isn't staple in the easy button. Simple just means it's not something that you can attain. It's something that you're going to have to try and do. Put some energy and effort into it. And, and, and here's what you see. Here's what Jesus is telling us. Don't have a death grip of things in this world because it's going to slip through your hands. You're going to hold on so tight it's going to crush and it's going to drip out of your hands. He says if you grab a hold and hold on to this world, you're going to lose everything. But if you let go of everything, you will receive a life that you never could imagine. Be like Jesus. Jesus simply let go of heaven and came into this world and trusted his father each and every day. 
He let go of his right to heaven, came into this world and lived as a human just like you, had all the worries and struggles and issues, but he just trusted God each and every day and through that, God was glorified. How do I know that? Don't believe me, those are my words. Let's look at what Jesus says. Here's what he says in John chapter four. My food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, the thing that I feed on, is to do God's work and to live out God's plan and to live out the kingdom of God so that I can be uh, uh, satisfied in my heart for who Jesus is. Then what should my food be? The Father. And what the Father wants. And for some of us, that just means constantly working on your upward relationship with God so that your horizontal things will work out for the glory of God because your horizontal is connected constantly and everything on the horizontal side starts to just work out the way that God has planned for you. But somebody's saying, well, I can't help but being anxious. I can't help but being worried. But Jesus is challenging us. He's asking us. He's commanding us. If you can't stop being anxious or worried, what difference is it between you and the unbeliever? You have Christ. Then Christ isn't working for you. He's actually not working at all. And so you have no real relationship because you're saying, oh, I got anxious. I'm worried. I've got fears. And then you're basically saying, because I don't have God. I haven't fully bought in. A disciple of Jesus Christ fully buys in. Fully buys in. I was looking at this Duke University kind of thing about peace and, and comfort and, and, and uh, they came up with eight things. I came down with five things, but this is coming from this Duke University. I want to give them credit because these aren't mine, but I kind of blended into five things. Here are five things that could create less worrisome in your life so you are less worried. Number one, don't, res don't, don't resent or regret the past. Hey, if you guys have made mistakes, I've made worse. You don't go to jail because you're a good boy. And so I've got a lot of things that keep popping up and I can't regret them. I don't forget them, but I don't sit in them. That's what I did. That's not who I am. All right, so I've got to move beyond that and I can't regret that. I can't forget it, but I got to move forward and say, that's what I did. That's not who I am. I see that in my life today because I don't do the things that I used to do. Number two, don't waste time on things that are out of your control. When you feed on what the media has given you, you are buying into everything that's out of your control. That doesn't mean don't vote. And if voting's not working for you, become a politician and change the world by reading your Bible and saying, I'm gonna stand on Jesus Christ in this. All right, so I'm not saying don't vote. I'm saying lead and take the Bible and say I'm gonna lead biblically, but if voting's not working, do something with that, like become a politician. There's council members and board members of the park and rec. There's all kinds of jobs you can do, but don't get things that are out of your control. Number three, this is a big one. If you're under 30, this happens all over social media. TikTok, social media, all of it happens constantly. Refuse to indulge in self-pity. Today we are glorifying self-pity. People come up and they put their biggest struggles and their worries and we applaud them for sharing, which I'm not saying don't share, but listen, if you're living in self-pity, you're just 
you know, sitting in the crap that you continue to live in thinking one day it's going to go away. No, you need to pick yourself up and move out of it and watch your life change. Listen, we all got worries. We all got struggles. We all got sorrow. It might be, it might not be the same thing that you're dealing with, but we all have them, I promise you. People come in and they're really struggling. They're like, well, those people have plenty of money and those people have, like, they have their own problems, I promise you. Everyone in this room has a problem or six. Number four, stay out of the expectation business. That's not your job. Who told you your job is to be expectant? The only thing you expect that Jesus is coming back. Everything else, that's God's plan. You need to have expectant hope that Christ is coming back. Everything else, that's God's business. God is in the business of results. You aren't. So stay out of expectation. Have expectant hope that Christ is coming back, but get out of it and, and, and feed on Christ. Live what you've been given. Our society today, we live on 120%. I make $50,000, I live on 60000 Doesn't make any sense. Really, you need to live on 40000 and save and give the other $10,000. That's how you make it so that when times are tough and there's a recession, you're like, well, we've saved for this recession so we can live in that recession. Live on less and live what you have and watch how your life changes. Number five, and this was the, the summation of the, the Duke, thing. It said, find something bigger than yourself. You know what that is? Jesus Christ. Life, your life is not to be self-focused. What I'm wearing, what I'm eating, that's what it says. It said in this, and it said in this, uh, this part, uh, this survey, it said, those that are self-focused basically are egomaniacs and they hate their life but they just constantly talk about it because they're afraid people might find out they really hate everything about them. Verse 31 says, then seek the kingdom of God above all else. That's the answer that we see in this survey. Seek God above all else. And it says, if you do that, he will give you everything you need. What do you need? Bring it before the Lord. You need a home? Bring it before the Lord. Don't try and do it on your own. You need, you need a job, bring it before the Lord. You need to be free of anxiety, bring it before the Lord. You got depression, bring it before the Lord. Or you want to harm yourself, bring it before the Lord. You've got an addiction, bring it before the Lord. You got a marriage problem, oh, just go to Starbucks, see what happens. No, bring it before the Lord. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, there, there's this place on the Sermon on the Mount. It's right at the beginning. It's in the Beatitudes. And here's what it says. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. When I hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God and the justice of God, that he is going to fix all the problems in this world, it says I will be satisfied. I'm just talking to you two today. All the disciples are listening, but if I have a hunger and thirst for Jesus, above everything else, this Grand Canyon of whole that's in my heart, I'll be satisfied. Because I don't have to fill it with anything else but Jesus Christ. And, and beans and rice, but... Uh, <laughs> All right, now I know you guys are hungry. This is a Vegas buffet. I know it's hunger time. It's 11-11. We've been talking for about 38 minutes now. 
I think I got a picture of, you guys like the Vegas buffets of old? They got everything. It's, yeah. I know you guys are hungry now. But the question is this, what are you hungry for? It's almost taco time, pizza time, breakfast time. I got a friend that says, oh, I can eat omelets every day of the week. It's almost that time. But the question is, if you hunger for things of this world, what are you really, where's your appetite taking you? It'll be filled with worry if you're about the world. It's going to be filled with fear, and you're going to live unhealthily, physically, mind, body, and soul. But if you bring God into it, you will be satisfied. John, John 6, again, John 6, he says this. And don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Why are you worrying about food? You guys don't even know what hunger is. Next week, we're going to have a pastor around, and uh, he's from Uganda. He's going to be in our community groups and stuff. Listen, I guarantee you he'll tell you a story about what hunger's like. And I tell you what, my sister four weeks ago was in Mexico and they were in this ministry that's in, it's in the junkyard. It's in the dump. And I guarantee you, you can talk about hunger there. Sometimes there's kids in Mexico that eat five meals a week. Some of us, it's like, well, no, I need fuel. I'm eating five a day. You don't know hunger. Where are you at in your hunger today? There was this moment where Jesus was in front of disciples, John chapter six. There was thousands of people, just like today in Luke, thousands of people surrounding and they just wanna see Jesus do miracles. That's all they care about, Jesus doing miracles. And here's what he says at the very end and it shocked their system. Now, if you're online or if you're new here today, these words are gonna be weird. But if you're a believer, these words are gonna be beautiful. Here's what it says, John chapter 6, verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. What does that even mean? And what happened was all these thousands of peoples instantly dispersed. They went away. And what kind of words? You want me to eat? Are you a cannibal? I have a friend, Kevin, who's an atheist and says, your sky daddy is bloodthirsty. Do you know why God wants blood? Because in eternal heaven, there needs to be a blood sacrifice so that you guys can be connected to heaven and all, all of us together can be in heaven because the blood has been shed once and for all. That's why there needs to be blood. It's not because God is hungry for blood. That's what's required in this spiritual law, these things of this world so that we can be connected to God. And so Jesus is telling them, listen, you've got to consume me. And then at the end it says, for my flesh is true food food, and my blood is true drink. For a Christian, we consume Jesus. Next week we're going to do communion and the, the bread is consumed. It's crushed and, it's, and, 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 and it's, it's broken down so we can make it just like the grapes so that we can consume Jesus. And so now... We come to the end, the most important part of the message. It's taken us about an hour and 15 minutes to have our hearts settled. So here's what I want to do. As we close today, Jesus is going to create something new in someone today. He's going to pour out something right now. 
You might not see it, but it's here. But I know some of you can feel it. You start feeling that? God is creating a place of beauty here, a place of freedom. And he's saying this, Jesus is saying this to someone, come, come to me, come, come to me, come. He says, come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all who are burdened. Come to me, who have anxiety and fear. Come. And it's like a little father. I see Jeremy with his kids. I see Tara with his kids. And the father's saying, come on. Come to me. Come on. And all you got to do is get up. All you got to do is get up and come to the Father because he's pouring out something new today. And someone's going to receive some of this new fresh wine that he pours out because you are finally going to consume him correctly. So I'm challenging you. Will you come? If you can't come up front, can you just stand up? If you're not willing to come up front but you want to go in the back, you can stand in the back. But come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all who are burdened, and I, God, says he will give you rest. Come and take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle, and I have a humble heart, God says. Come on. Come, and you will find rest. The worry will wash away. The glory of God's wine will be poured out and you will consume. Come, he says. Come, all who are weary, all who are broken. Come before the kingdom of God and you will find rest and you will find hope and your burdens will be light because Jesus takes your burdens. Father, we come before you today and we ask, many come before you and they step into this place. The glory of God is standing up and moving and working into a new space washing away fear, washing away worry, and let us worship for your kingdom today, Lord. If there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, if there's someone online they don't know, we ask that you come and let's celebrate Jesus. And here's all you gotta do to accept Jesus into your heart. Say this simple prayer, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul, and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross, and thank you for raising up three days later so that I can be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.